Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning. It's the 12th of July. I'm Carmen LaBerge. What is stuffed in your couch? Mm -hmm. Have you looked under those couch cushions lately? Mm -hmm. How about a family reunion or a family feud? All right. All of that is wound up in a conversation going on, not only in Detroit, but across the country now, because a will was found stuffed under a couch cushion in Aretha Franklin's Detroit home following her death in 2018. And it has caused a family brouhaha um, over the late singer's estate. Well, a jury has decided this week that the handwritten will that was found stuffed in a couch cushion um, actually stands as the document of record, not the will that had been, um, you know, filed in, uh, filed with the court by an attorney. So there you go. Um, it's probably good to have conversations with the people in your life who might be of an age about their will, the desire of their hearts. And, um, and let me encourage you, if you have not communicated your will to the next generation, it's time to do so. Like our generations that come after us need to know that our heart's desire is aligned with the will of God, that the the greatest desire that we have for them is that they would walk in peace with God, reconciled to him through Jesus Christ, that we have no greater will than that. We have no more important legacy. The riches of this life are meaningless and useless if you're not reconciled to God. Like everything in this world is wasting and fading away. Um, so, let me encourage you, if you haven't communicated your last will and testament, your testament, your testimony to the next generation, you know, use this conversation about the Franklin family in Detroit as a jumping off point today um, to talk about your will, the desire of your heart, not only for your things, because the things of this world are ultimately passing away, as are we, um, which is what the conversation about the last will and testament is all about anyway. So there you go. Hey, welcome, Missouri. Good morning. If you're listening in the state of Missouri uh, and you are listening like on your actual radio dial, hello and welcome. My name is Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen and you're listening to the Faith Radio Network. And yes, we've just arrived. Uh, the good news of the gospel has been poured forth over this radio station that you're listening to. Um, for a long time, but it's now a part of the Faith Radio Network, and we're so excited to have you um, joining us. And if you are a longtime listener to Faith Radio, um, what's happening in the state of Missouri right now as the broadcast of this conversation and every other part of the Faith Radio ministry is now poured forth across the state of Missouri, um, that's happening because of your support. So this is listener-supported radio, and if you've been praying with us about the way God is expanding the uh, the footprint of this ministry, 
advancing the gospel always and in all ways uh, through the good news of Jesus broadcast over the Faith Radio Network. Well, hey, hey, today's the day to celebrate for a week now. Uh, folks across the state of Missouri have been um, had the Faith Radio signal available to them. So God is uh, fanning the flame of revival through this ministry, and we want to celebrate that today. So what do we do on Mornings with Carmen? We bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day, but we always start um, where we must begin, and that is in the Word of God. So you'll hear me ask the question, where in the Word are you today? We want everyone to be in the Word of God, that the Word of God might be in us, that as the word as the world presses against us, which of course it will, what comes out of us would be the grace and truth of the gospel. So you can join us. Uh, we are always reading the Bible together, and we've got an opportunity for you to read the Bible together with us right now, Second Timothy. You can sign up for that two-week study and download your free study guide at myfaithradio.com. We also um, invite you to sign up for the verse of the day. So the Growing Your Faith verse of the day today is a familiar one. It comes from the 23rd Psalm. And before we read this particular verse, verse 4, I just want you to consider, like, where do you need shepherding? Where do you need guidance? Do you need a green pasture? Do you need some still waters? Does your soul need some restoration? Do you need a good guide? Do you want to know what the path of righteousness is? Are you in a dark valley? You want somebody to walk through that with? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, those those tools of the shepherd, they protect and they comfort me. Just consider for a moment that the Lord is, and that the Lord is your shepherd. And that as a good shepherd, the Lord offers you green pastures and still waters and restoration for your soul. He's there to guide you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though, even though, even though you are walking through a dark valley, you can do so without fear. With the very presence of the one who is the Prince of Peace and offers you the peace which surpasses all understanding. You can walk through a dark valley without fear because you are with Christ. You are with the Good Shepherd. Are you with the Good Shepherd today? Are you with me? It's not just a command to our dogs. Are you with me? It's uh, it's the way we walk by faith in the world today as believers. We're going to talk with our friend Jeff Bilbro about a duck named Guppy, Gimpy. I was going to say Guppy. His name's not Guppy. His name's Gimpy. So what can you learn? What, le- what life lessons can you learn by raising animals? I have learned a lot by raising chickens and dogs and cows. And yeah, I've learned a lot actually by raising fruits and vegetables and by gardening. And I've learned a lot by raising kids. So we're going to talk about a father and a son and the life lessons that they learned, not only by raising ducks, but a particular duck named Gimpy. What's the favorite animal you've ever raised? You can text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen.
Hey, our friend Jeff Bilbro is back. You can find him at Grove City College, also at Front Porch Republic. Happy summer, Jeff. Thanks, Carmen. Yeah. Likewise. All right, Gimpy, read us in on this. Uh, tell us the story of the father and the son. Um, I, I just loved this. It's posted at plow.com for those of you who want to read it. Um, who and what is Gimpy and what can we learn from him? Yeah, I liked it. I really enjoyed this essay uh, by Ian Barth about raising ducks with his son. And, um, and when the ducklings hatched from the shells, one of them was, was a little Gimpy. And <laughs> so they... Um, named him that, but they continued to to care for him. And his son, he has this beautiful description account of how his son kind of developed a particular affection for this um, injured duck and loved it and cared for it. And he reflects on just as you were indicating on the the relationship with other creatures that that can be developed when we care for them every day and watch over them and you know, they mourned when one of their ducks got stolen by a passerby. Uh, and, you know, this, the story ends sadly about Gimpy too, but that's part of what it means to love other creatures, to recognize that they're vulnerable and fragile and they respond to our care and need our care. But uh, sometimes, despite all we can do for them, uh, death comes. We um, we don't raise ducks, um, but I will tell you that when we go to Chick Days at Tractor Supply, we're always tempted. We're always tempted yeah. to get a duck because they're so cute. Um, but we raise chickens, and um, yes, it is fair to say that one of the lessons that you learn is that chicken is on every plate. Like every yeah. predator, every predator yeah. uh, like yeah. likes chicken, and so um, yeah, you do. You learn so much, and the grief is real um, when. You lose one that you particularly love and appreciate. Uh, we had a chicken. This the story about Gimpy reminded me of the chicken uh, in our flock during one season, um, who we called Kangaroo. She her hips were like didn't work, so she hopped everywhere. She just hopped everywhere. She didn't. She's a totally different kind of chicken in terms of her movement through life. And um, yeah, so Kangaroo was our distinctive Gimpy chicken. I also, as I was reading this, Jeff, uh, I was in a conversation very recently with uh, Dave Buring, who comes on the show fairly frequently and encourages us with the word. And he was talking about um, leaders who have a limp and you can you can trust a leader who who has a limp, like who has suffered, who knows what it means to um, to have not only wrestled with God, but to have wrestled with things in life and that you know, when we're when we're walking with a limp, it's a, it's a good reminder of our humanity and our fragility and mortality. And um, so, I thought this was just one of those uh, wonderful, provocative stories, real life story um, that you know keeps us connected to the realities of creation and our mortality, and um, yeah, and the goodness of the earth. So, thanks so much for walking with us around in it. Um, I'm going to, uh, we're going to take a very, very brief break. When we come back, I am going to, um, I'm going to ask Jeff if he thinks he's in a place to, uh, to see the Northern Lights tonight. Uh, if he might be planning to travel in April to see the next solar eclipse, like what might we see if we looked, uh, looked beyond and into, um, the far reaches of the universe. That's up next. Here on Mornings with Carmen.
Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, the solar forecast has apparently changed a little bit, and the solar storm that we all expected to produce the northern lights in uh, in like 17 states across the lower 48, um, uh, you know, that, that storm prediction has changed some, which, first of all, I just find it extraordinary that we can predict a storm that is going to take place on the surface of the sun and how that might affect things here. But anyway, solar storm forecast has changed a little bit. You still have a good chance of seeing the northern lights um, right above the horizon, if you are in Vancouver or Great Falls or Pierre or Madison, Lansing, Ottawa, Portland, um, but but less chance further south. Um, uh, we're talking with Jeff Bilbro. He always he he likes to connect the things of the earth with the things of heaven, and so it's fun to talk with Jeff about things like this. Jeff, the Northern Lights. Uh, Aurora Borealis, how far would you travel to see them? Um, Would you stay up all night to see them? And then same conversation about like the solar eclipse. There's going to be another one in April. Yeah, um, I have never seen the Northern Lights, but I really would like to. Me either. I know. I've tried several times and Mm -hmm. uh, the weather never cooperated or the forecast didn't pan out. But, uh, But yeah, one of these days I hope to do so. All right. If you're listening yeah. right now and you want to invite Jeff to your house yeah. so he can see the Northern Lights, like, right, we're taking exactly. we're taking invitations now on the text line, <laughs> 877-933-2484. How about solar eclipse? Like, we had this, you know, complete solar yeah. eclipse a couple of years ago, and there's going to be another one next year in April. And, I don't know, like Dallas, Waco, Little Rock, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Buffalo, Rochester, Burlington. You have friends in any of those places? I've already invited myself to somebody's house in Cleveland. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only about, I think, 45 minutes or an hour outside the path of totality. So we'll definitely drive north or uh, or west a little bit and find find a place to see that. And hopefully the weather cooperates. Because I've seen uh, a couple of partial eclipses, but I've never been able to get to to the place where it's total. And and if, you know, if you're preparing to see that eclipse, I would just recommend Andy Dillard's classic essay. I think it's just called Total Eclipse. Uh, on scene one a couple of decades ago, but she describes the experience. She says that the scene of partial eclipse um, is like kissing a man. Uh, the difference between a partial eclipse and a total eclipse is like they're between kissing a man and marrying somebody. And it's just mm. not the same thing. And she has really lovely reflections on um, kind of like what, it, like the, the weirdness of the total eclipse and the kind of, terror that strikes when the skies go dark and you see the stars um and the light changes and she compares it to the the uh shepherds you know seeing the angels and just you know these things that 
even in our scientific age, when we think we can explain what's going on, the experience is still so uncanny. And it's a reminder that that creation is, is strange. And, um, uh, you know, there have been signs in the heavens that are linked to uh, spiritual happenings. And uh, it makes sense because the heavens seem so regular and yet there's this odd phenomenon that happened that, that upend all of our expectations. Yeah, I think of uh, some of the things that we hear from the prophets, um, like Ezekiel, when he says, yeah. um, I, I extinguish you, I'll cover the heavens, I'll darken the stars, I'll cover the sun, um, the moon will not give its light. I don't know if that's a reference to, you know, an eclipse, but certainly we have um, biblical evidence that people were observing things that were taking place in the heavenlies, and they were um, associating that with things happening not only on earth, but in their own lives as well. And I guess I think about, you know, the wise men understanding that there was a natal star and that they should follow it, like something extraordinary yeah. was happening in the heavenlies, and um, and it was worth taking note of here on the earth. All right, I have this one more story, um, and again, this one is posted at Front Porch Republic, and it's actually part two <laughs> of, an, of an unfolding um, series of essays that Mark Botts is is offering. And this one's called The Census Taker in the Church Pew, Part 2. I I really appreciated his reflections here. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting um, perspective, I guess, in which he just tries to look out, you know, to shake hands with people when, when the, they pass the peace at their church and look out and reflect upon the spiritual um, challenges and lessons that he can learn from his fellow parishioners. Like who's around you at church? What are they going through? How do their life stories help you see the glory of God uh, more clearly? And and in this one, he reflects on, you know, a a lovely old couple uh, in his church, but the the wife is um, being reduced by dementia and the husband is having to set aside a lot of his own, pursuits a lot of his own labor and give himself more and more to the care of his wife, um, which is a particularly challenging, I mean, he, he draws attention to the way that it's just so thankless. Nobody sees this, even the person you're caring for becomes less and less able to perceive it or appreciate it. Um, it's a very difficult kind of service. And yet maybe in that regard, it offers particular uh, insight into God's love for for us, who are often also unthankful and unaware uh, of God's care for us. I uh, I loved this paragraph. He says the very labor that W performs for D. So W is the husband and D is the wife. As D is reduced by dementia, matches what Bonhoeffer calls spiritual love. Human love, Bonhoeffer says, breeds hothouse flowers. Spiritual love creates the fruits that grow healthily in accord with God's good will in the rain and in the storm and in the sunshine of God's outdoors. Um, and then the writer says, W is enacting spiritual love. His labor will go almost unseen by the very one he serves. And if unseen, also unthanked. For who could offer up the reward of thanks when they cannot remember for what and to whom they are to be thankful. Um, I think that this um, 
this acknowledgement of what others are walking in and walking through and walking with. Um, this is a good call to each of us, Jeff, to, I don't know, get ourselves out of ourselves for a moment and look around and consider what's happening in the lives of others and the burdens they're carrying and the love they're extending and the grace they're demonstrating day in and day out, hour by hour, moment by moment, serving people um, in their own homes um, every single day. Yeah, that's right. And hopefully um, that that uh, attention helps us then to to recognize ways that we can come alongside them and, and help carry their burdens, share their burdens with them. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking right now of um, uh, a family in our church as they are preparing for, you know, the, the wonderful event of the, uh, of the marriage of their daughter um, mm. only to have only to have learned this week that um, her, her fiance's family is dealing with another child who is making a gender transition and just the, the mm-hmm. joy that that has robbed them of in the midst of all of this. And, um, and I'm thinking of another family that has a, uh, a new and recent um, Alzheimer's diagnosis um, and how they are preparing to lovingly, you know, walk together in the midst of that. And uh, um, a woman who now sits alone in church, um, her son having gone off to college, but her, the discovery that her husband has not been the man that she thought she was married to for 25 years. Like there, people are dealing with a lot. They're just dealing with a lot. And, and we ought to see them and we ought to account for that before the Lord. And we ought to tell them that we see them. If all you say is, I see you and I'm praying for you. um, You know, there's that, that knowledge that other people are yoked to Christ and therefore helping us shoulder the burdens of life is a blessing. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, brother, thank you. Um, Happy summer. Um, Have a wonderful, wonderful summer break, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at Grove City College. You can find him at Front Porch Republic. Um, You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. Dare to ask, dare to believe, dare to dream, dare to pray, dare to walk today into and through the valley of the shadow of death, even with the faithful shepherd. I encourage you to be in the word of God today as you walk your faith out into the world that God so loves. Um, I encourage you to do so with Jesus and advancing his kingdom purposes, like that gives our life purpose and direction and spirit and vitality um, and peace, even in the midst of times which are um, not filled with peace. We, we want to lift up our brothers and sisters around the, the world today, those close to us who we know in our own communities and families. Um, and, and I'm thinking today of a friend who's headed off to a family reunion and you know, she recognizes that there are folks in her extended family who are not believers, and she's been asking the Lord that he would um, not only soften their hearts, but provide opportunity for conversation about spiritual things. So maybe you are headed into that kind of opportunity today, and you don't even know it. God has set a divine appointment. There's a God moment ahead of you. Uh, I want you to um, just joyfully acknowledge that, like embrace that. 
and give God the glory. Point to him. Direct others to him. It, uh, it gives me great joy uh, to do that in my life, and I know that it would provide you great joy um, as well. And then you'd have this testimony to share. All right, so thanks to those uh, who are on the text line today. Um, this is in relationship to the conversation that I had with Jeff Bilbro about Gimpy, the duck, or in my house, um, uh, the, the chicken who we called kangaroo. Gay says, I had a beautiful red rooster named Mickey when I was a child. I actually taught him to catch corn kernels when I threw them at him. Uh, I brought him to a pet and doll parade once, uh, and I could carry him and put him down to show parade watchers how he could catch corn. Uh, I could pick him up, and I could run and catch up with my place in the parade. I distinctly remember two bib overall farmers along the route laughing so hard. Well, this is such a wonderful, um, wonderful memory. Mickey, or Gay, thank you so much for sharing that story about Mickey. My um, sweet son, Matthew, who if you've been listening long, you know Matthew has some um, some unique and some special needs. And he is our, our chicken man in our family. The chickens are his. Um, they're his. He describes them as his girls. Um, and, and the one that he calls the noise box, that would be uh, the current rooster. You know, we've moved through roosters as well. Uh, our first rooster was named Pistachio. He was my favorite. Uh, but since then, we have had Big Red, and now we have Big Yellow. Um, and there have been others along the way as well. But uh, Matthew uh, takes his chickens on the swing. Uh, he got swinging chickens. They love to swing. He puts them under his. He puts one chicken under a under an arm and uh, takes them out to the to the big swing. And yeah, I got I got, I got swinging chickens at my house. So I love um I love the memories and the stories that you're sharing. Again, you can always text me eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. We're going to talk with our friend Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News about what is happening in the world. Um, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, what's happening in places and spaces as the gospel pours forth and, the, and people are facing challenges of many and myriad kinds. And so we use this as an opportunity to raise our awareness about what's happening around the globe. God's got the whole world in his hands, and we want to be lifting up the whole world prayerfully in our hands as well. So Ruth Kramer is going to join us next from Mission Network News. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Ruth Kramer is back from Mission Network News. You can find what we're talking about today and lots of other stories from around the globe at missionnews.org. Ruth, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. So uh, when I say the word Sweden or I refer to Sweden, a lot of people are, are, are probably quick to note that Sweden has been um, accepted for membership into NATO. But there's something else going on in Sweden that you want to alert us to and make us aware of. So what is that? Well, it's actually, uh, I guess, the the flashpoint of what's going on right now in Muslim countries around the world. Uh, there was a protest that uh, someone had applied for and actually gotten permission to um, to hold uh, at the end of June. So we're talking like June 28th, uh, where this young man, he was an Iraqi refugee, tore, burned and kicked the Quran in front of the biggest mosque in uh, Stockholm. And uh, Sweden had initially given permission for him to hold this protest. But since the protest has been held, uh, multiple countries have come forward in um, in strong reaction, whether or not it means it's uh, 
protests that have been held in the streets or a government reaction, um, there this this situation has really begun to pick up steam. And uh, with, I guess, um, increasing weighted, increasingly weighted consequence. Um, so you've got diplomatic relations that are uh, now affected by this situation. You've got um, attacks that are happening um, in Pakistan. It's been widely uh, documented that um, attacks are happening on uh, Christian buildings and homes, not because this person who held the protest was a Christian, but because they are not Muslim. And anything anti-Muslim right now was being targeted in some of these areas. So this is a situation that we're watching carefully because it's probably not going to settle down anytime soon. Um, you've got at least 12 countries that are embroiled right now in the turmoil uh, that was started by this particular um, protest. And when we spoke with international media ministries, when we, we talked to them, their goal is to put the gospel in on every screen uh, around the world. And right now they're working on a um, a group of stories from the Bible that started in Persia. So you're, you're you're talking Iran mainly, um, and and so we were kind of asking them why why do you have um, I guess a voice here in this in this particular context if you're really focusing on what's going on in Iran, uh, and it's because Iran is part of these protests, even though they're Shiites and you've got most of the Muslim uh, Muslim countries that are protesting are Sunni, uh, it really became kind of a enemy of my enemy is my friend situation you you really the the Muslim countries of both uh Sunni and Shia uh faiths are coming together and now you've got a whole united front uh that are protesting what's going on here um Denise Godwin uh with international media ministries is is basically saying what we're seeing here is a double standard um people are looking away when you have other faiths, other religions that are disrespected. So you've got an increase in anti-Semitism, you've got a surge in anti-Christianity and persecution of Christians, and there really hasn't been the kind of response to these situations, to these incidents that are so prevalent that they're nearly daily incidents. Um, but you have one situation that unfolds in Sweden, and you've got a global uproar. It's just kind of something to be to be uh, watching. It's something that um, we should be talking about and trying to be a, a voice for the voiceless in this kind of situation. Keep on praying, though, because uh, with situations like this, uh, believers typically are targeted because they're not part of the dominant faith. In many of these countries, that would be they're not Muslim, therefore they are anti-Muslim. Um, so there are a lot of believers who are watching this situation with growing concern because of the terrorist aspect that has uh, begun to develop since this uh, since this all began at the end of June. Yeah, Bible burning has a long history, for those of you wondering. Uh, it goes back to, I don't know, the earliest reference I can find is uh, Diocletian in 303, um, an edict against the Christians and uh, and the burning of Bibles. Um, Bible burning is actually kind of a thing. It's uh, legally protected not only here in the United States, but in many places around the world. Uh, I was interested, Ruth, to note that yesterday a motion was filed at the United Nations um, in response to this incident in Sweden, calling on countries to review their laws and 
quote, plug gaps that may impede the prevention and prosecution of acts and advocacy of religious hatred. Um, and this uh, this event in Sweden has been um, described as incitement to religious hatred um, by a number of countries, as you note. And so I, I think this is a conversation that's going to be ongoing. And thank you so much for lifting it up uh, to our attention. Could we turn to um, Africa, particularly let's uh, turn to Kenya. You're, um, you have this great article about Kenya hope and helping rural communities survive uh, the historic drought there. Can you brief us in on what's happening on that front? Well, um, it's the largest drought in recorded history. There's mm-hmm. over 4 million people in Kenya alone who are facing the crisis of, uh, you know, hunger. Um, food insecurity is a major issue, and it's been exacerbated in a lot of the countries affected by drought, uh, by conflict. So the the nat- the natural crisis has been um, elevated by man-made crisis. And so we're looking at a, a really serious food shortage uh, in a lot of these countries in the near future. Now, uh, I guess what we're looking at here between, well, in their spring, there was above average rainfall. And that was much appreciated because it relieved some of the drought-stricken areas, but it, they're not out of the woods. You know, with so much uh, lack of rain, you've got um, ripple effects of things. So you have cr- uh, crops that just died. You know, there are fields mm-hmm. that are are uh, laying, I guess, fallow at this point. Um, livestock. Um, they didn't survive the initial drought, or if they did survive, the rain actually shocked them, and uh, and the animals didn't survive because they couldn't stand the shock of the cooler temperatures and things like that. So um, you still have a, a major issue, and, and families can't buy food. So Kenya Hope has been watching the situation. Um, they have been trying to meet the physical needs because that allows them to also meet the spiritual needs. Um, in their communities where they help, they've given 12 tons of relief food since January this year. Um, and, and they're just trying to help people survive the drought season. Uh, it's coming through the body of Christ. It is a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. But the rea- you know the reality is not only are they demonstrating the love of Jesus, but the, the physical aspect is when people have the energy to do more than just subsist, they are able to participate in some of the things to which they are invited. So when the body of Christ um, establishes itself in a certain area through a church, and they also have these feeding programs, once people have food in their in their bellies, they actually have the energy to find out a little bit more about this group of people who have been trying to help them, and they wind up going to the church, which becomes a community center. There are gospel opportunities that result uh, through these kinds of things. So it's more relationship that is uh, planted. And what you see is a harvest later on um, to just kind of continue the the whole idea of the metaphor of what we're talking about with uh, the issues of a planting season and and growth and nurturing. Um, this is something that we want to continue to to watch because of how we've seen communities change through the gospel. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for people to revisit, um, you know, drought uh, as it happens in the Bible and the famine that often follows and then the migration, the human migration that follows that and the welcome of uh, of of the immigrant, um, the welcome of the stranger in the land. I mean, the the entire narrative of the book of Ruth comes to mind. 
um, in terms of, of this ongoing conversation. So this is not new in human history, but this is the period of history in which we are living. Uh, and there has been a fifth failed rainy season in this portion of the Horn of Africa. Somalia, Ethiopia, Kenya, all affected, some 36.5 million people. Um, so there's a lot of folks and 18 million of them facing extreme hunger. So uh, they're not in a position to physically leave where they are. So how can we be ambassadors of of, of help arriving in time to save human lives? Um, and so uh, check out what Kenya Hope is doing, and you can read the full article at missionnews.org. We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer in just a moment. We're going to turn our attention to AI and Bible translation. We get a lot of negative information about um, artificial intelligence. This, this is a positive story related to how AI can actually help us advance the gospel. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of Second Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you? And that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing. The suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. So this uh, this next conversation about the Bible and artificial intelligence and the preservation of the Word of God and its sharing generation to generation um, reminded me of a scene from the movie The Day After Tomorrow where there is this strange ice age and or ice movement of ice and New York City is totally overwhelmed and there's this group of people that survive in the New York City library and there are a number of non-believers there but the one thing the one book the one book that they stand in the way of using um, as uh, you know, as a heat source, they don't throw it into the fire. Uh, it was one book from the rare book room, and it was a Gutenberg Bible. And so the Gutenberg Press changed the world because it um, was used to print the Bible. And now, Bible transla- translation and Bible um, sharing around the world is happening in no small measure because of AI. So Ruth Kramer is here from Mission Network News. You can find these stories at missionnews.org. Ruth, what is happening in the world of Bible translation? I think this is really interesting. Um, This story uh, came to us because of our partnership with Wycliffe uh, Bible Translators. Um, Facebook and Instagram, or actually the parent company, Meta, um, has been trying to work 
with a text-to-speech technology that can identify 4,000 languages with the idea of preserving the world's languages. Um, and because the Bible has been one of the most widely translated books in the world, they're going to the Bible and other religious texts to be able to kind of power uh, what's going on with that technology. Um, I think what is interesting with that is that they went to Faith Comes by Hearing, um, goto.bible and bible.com to grab some of those text and audio recordings um, in order to empower the, the research there. Um, it includes the Bible stories, evangelistic messages, scripture readings, and worship music um, in over 6,000 languages. Um, and I think this is just a wonderful opportunity for the gospel to inform some of these things. Wycliffe Associates has, or Wycliffe Bible Translators has been using um, AI for a long time. Uh, to try to assist in Bible translation itself. Um, and in a lot of situations, it's a tool. Um, it does your basic kind of stuff on translating idioms, grammar checks, spelling, ensuring that uh, your key phrases and terms have been translated appropriately. Um, and then, you know, people come alongside to make sure that all of that stuff is what it's supposed to be doing. So AI is is merely a tool to accelerate uh, the Bible translation. And in this case, um, we're looking at it to uh, accelerate uh, Bible translation for the deaf Bible. Um, because when you're looking at a a deaf Bible translation, it requires video. Um, as as they, they translate the Bible into the stories, into the sign languages, um, sometimes it's too risky to put an actual person on camera because of the area's uh, that they come from and uh, the persecution that exists in some of those areas. So an AI, like an avatar, is a good substitution for that. And that's how it's accelerating Bible translation for the deaf Bibles. Um, it's still a work in progress because obviously you have to train and correct where the avatar uh, you know, interprets certain things and how that's going to actually look. And sometimes the technology isn't perfect. So um, it's, it, like I said, it's a work in progress. But when you're considering that really less than 2% of the deaf population has access to a Bible. There's really only one whole Bible in uh, in sign language that's available. Uh, that's American Sign Language. Um, it, there's not enough of God's Word getting out to people who are deaf. And that's something that uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators is really working hard to change in sensitive areas. So I think this is something that we can continue to be praying about. Really, Wycliffe Bible translators are saying if you want if you want to know more about what's going on, um, you know, contact the ministry because they can give you more of uh, the the inside story of how they're actually looking at uh, improving what they're doing and the acceleration pace and which uh, translations are going to be made available soonest. Um, the Prime Minister of India was recently here in the United States, and one of the um, one of the questions uh, that he addressed was a question of religious liberty. Um, and and Modi argued that um, you know <clears throat> uh, India is a place of religious freedom, and uh, and religious minorities are respected. That is not the lived experience of many people. Can you talk with us about? Um, not just laws and anti-conversion laws in particular places in India, but the experience of people of minority faith, particularly Christians, in a country where um, Hindu nationalism is is the order of the day. 
you know, uh, when, uh, when, and when Modi took power, um, we saw, we expected to see a spike in, um, in persecution. And we did see a spike. It was greater than what we were expecting to see, though. Um, in, in a situation where attacks are happening so often that they all kind of blend together, uh, it's a horrible situation. It's a horrible situation. Um, it's, it's something where um, the attackers are acting with impunity. And mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that uh, there are a lot of stories that are covering what is happening, um, the the way that these uh, situations are covered up are usually, you know, they they were without a permit or they were committing some kind of a criminal action or they were running afoul of a local law or something like that. Uh, usually what happens when an attack occurs on a Christian or an attack occurs where a building is burnt down, um, it, the the police are called, they come in, and they sort of look the other way while it's still going on. Um, and And there's really a sense that there's no justice. Uh, there's a sense that uh, the government is not looking out for the religious minorities in the in the country, which is why it's so interesting that, you know, of the 12 states in India that have an anti-conversion law on the books, Karnataka state is one of them that is looking to repeal their anti-conversion law. Um, we don't know what this actually means down the line. We don't know if it's uh, uh, something where they're hoping to just uh, say, we don't agree with the direction of uh, the government, or we don't know if it's something where they're saying, we want to get rid of this law because it was poorly written and we're going to do something else. That still remains to be seen. However, the debate has been launched this month uh, with the the, uh, the state's legislature. Um, they are looking to repeal the Protection of Right to Freedom of Religion Act, which is their anti-conversion law. And it was adopted last year um, under a state government that was led by the BJP. Um, And there have been more and more states that are reconsidering these different types of laws that were introduced by the BJP because they don't feel it represents India well. Um, So just keep praying for that because under what is going on right now with the government that um, is kind of a, a different regime. Um, the BJP has lost the strength that it used to have, and maybe this is the first step into seeing a little bit less pressure on the religious minorities, which we, right now, that's that's meaning the believers. Hmm. Um, Ruth, uh, you have, you know, you have your uh, finger on the pulse of what's happening around the world, and we thank you so much for bringing us stories um, of fellow believers around the world, the challenges that they're facing and connecting us to ministries that are serving in those particular places um, in real time. So thank you so much for what you do every single day at Mission Network News. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, we, um, we, we, you give us not only um, fodder for our prayer life, but a a way to, um, to actively engage. Um, And so Uh, So thank you so much. That's Ruth Kramer. You can find the stories we talked about today and so many more at missionnews.org. So let me encourage you, if you haven't done so already, visit us at um, myfaithradio.com. Lots to sign up for today, including our Reading the Bible Together series in 2 Timothy. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.